Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Auto Week Podcast, the place where you get all of your podcast needs, all the latest news in the car world, the latest news in the motorsports world, and everything else in between. Some drives, some chats, some everything. Today, got a big talk about the upcoming Indianapolis 500, which is not happening in May. It is happening in, I look at the calendar, August. Yep, that's happening. Uh, to no fans, we talk all about that with Matt Weaver and Mike Pryson. We also touch on uh, you know, kind of what happened, what's been happening in the racing world. We talk about uh, the second Silverstone GP, the 70th anniversary race, and Max Verstappen taking that. But before we get to all of that hot gas, we are going to talk about the news. That means Mr. Wes Reynolds here. Wes, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, anytime, anytime. Once a week. You're welcome here once a week, Mr. Reynolds. But I heard that there was a bunch of good news this week, a bunch of uh, electrifying news, as it were. Yeah, there's some interesting news. I'll start with Hyundai. That's um, Hyundai, as you know, has Genesis, the luxury brand, as sort of a spinoff, like a Lexus-type situation. And now Hyundai has launched Ionic, the Ionic brand, as its EV brand, not to be confused with the Ionic model that already exists in the lineup this is a whole brand which is strictly evs if you remember this is the same game that hyundai played with genesis when genesis evolved from a model to its own brand right good th- good point uh these are strictly evs no hybrids you know nothing like that uh no hybrids no plug-in hybrids. ionic is also going to have its own platform so they will be able to hang different bodies on, you know, sort of a coupe convertible crossover, whatever they want on this new strictly EV platform. It wouldn't surprise me a bit if Genesis as well gets some sort of luxury EV models in the near future. But that's what, so that's what we know so far. They're going to be uh, coming sometime in the next few years. Some of them are based on the concept EV45. I don't know if you guys remember that concept that they showed at Frankfurt in 2019, back when auto shows were physical things. So there's like, they're not the most creative named models coming up. There's a five, a six, and a seven. So Ionic 5, Ionic 6, Ionic 7. The odd numbers are Utes. And the even numbers are sedans. So coming up, we're going to have a small ute, a bigger ute, and a sedan. EVs. That's what I know so far. A pretty reasonable lineup when you're launching a, a brand to have, you know, an SUV and some, some sort of sedan. That seems like the uh, the standard. Yeah. Do we know... It's interesting. Did Hyundai announce where Ionic would exist in terms of the market? Well, I mean, you can't... Nobody's making money on their EVs, okay? Anybody that's pricing an EV these days is going to lose... A ton of money on it until the cost of the batteries come down and, and the cost of the infrastructure comes down. So I don't know where these things are going to be positioned as far. I mean, they're not going to be, you know, sort of luxury cars. That's not Hyundai's mission. That's Genesis' mission. So no matter what they charge for these things, initially they're going to be losing. Uh, and then positioned, I think they're going to be sort of like, you know, just like positioned like Hyundai's good, inexpensive, reliable transportation that Hyundai became famous for. We're supposed to see the six uh, sedan next year, so we'll see if that happens. I don't know. Uh, with COVID, sort of everyone's timing is is up in the air. I, I, I talked to a couple of auto execs last week and uh, last Friday, and they're still not back to uh, full strength as far as the plants being up and running and COVID, and it's still got some of the production down. Uh, and when they do open their plants, they uh, they have a hard time keeping them fully staffed. So it'll be interesting to see when exactly these things come out, how much they're going to cost, 
and things of that nature. Those are details that will come closer to launch, I'm sure. I'm sure too. But that's not the only EV news. It is not. Uh, there is a new Cadillac. Cadillac showed the Lyric. It's We do know that one's coming in sometime in late 2022 as a 2023 model. It's a luxury crossover, strictly electric. I think it's going to be, and that's L-Y-R-I-Q, by the way. I think it's going to be the first of many electric Cadillacs down the road. And, you know, General Motors has been saying for quite some time now that they have an all-electric future. So I don't think we should be surprised when these EVs keep dropping. They, they've been warning us for months that their future is completely electric. They've got the Hummer coming, uh, sort of like like Ionic. It's sort of a GMC sub-brand. So the Lyric, it, it looks in, I haven't seen it in person. It looks in pictures like a mid to large-ish crossover. Again, all electric. It's, I think it's beautiful to look at. The interior is stunning. On top of the dash, it's kind of interesting. Uh, the listeners can go to autoweek.com and check out the photos, but across the top of the dash, it looks like a string of iPods, or iPads, sorry, all all made into one piece that stretches probably, it looks like 48 inches, I'm not kidding, around the, around the top of the dash. And it looks really good. And, you know, people that are familiar with the S-Class and the, and the Mercedes, they also have sort of iPads linked together as their instrument panels now. And so this one takes that, uh, this lyric takes that notion and that idea and pushes it out. Feet, what's, what's inside of Benz. And I, again, I've only seen the photos, but it, it looks really nice in photos. It does look really nice in photos. But uh, a, a little idea just came to me. You mentioned that Mercedes and other manufacturers are using the uh, iPad as an everything sort of uh, infotainment and gauge cluster design. I can't wait until we can use that as a way to date uh, interior styling. Like when we when we're beyond that, we're using holograms for everything, and everything's like uh, projector based, and nothing is real. We'll be like, oh, remember those old fashioned iPads linked together for editing yeah. room panel? Remember when we used to touch the touch screen? Those were the days. Yeah. Instead of just thinking that I wanted to change the radio. Yeah. See, that's what's gonna. That's the scary thing, man. Someday we're just gonna think. Oh, I want to listen to some sports. And a whole list of sports are gonna pop up on your screen just because you thought it. Well, I think. Therefore, I rock. Exactly. So, you know, a lot of EVs coming. But that's not the only thing that we heard this week, real fast. Mr. Randall, the E-Ray was uh, trademarked or copywritten. I think trademarked, right, which right. that hints at an electric Corvette. It does hint at an electric Corvette. And I got, I, I'll, I'll say two things about that. Number one, when that mid-engine Corvette came out, we were talking about the possibility of an EV. Oh, yeah. Number one. And number two, at the very, again, At the very least, a hybrid. Right. Uh, and my second point about the E-Ray, if that is in fact what we're talking about here, you know, again, I'll, I'll repeat what I said earlier. GM didn't say our, we have an all-EV future except for the C8. They said we have an all-EV future coming. So I don't know, you know, it's not surprising yeah. to me personally that this Corvette will someday be an electric variable of that car. It's, it's They've been telling us that for a while now. Yeah, but I mean, it still is a historical moment when the Corvette is electrified by General Motors and not a third party that modifies it. That 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 will be a historic undertaking. Well, it sure will, and you know, my hope is just just so we don't cause you know rioting in the streets. My hope is is that that's not the only way you can get that car, right? Like you you'll still be able to get your big V8, your growling V8. But if you want an electric version, you can have an electric version. Now the lyric the lyric is not that way. The lyric is it. That's an EV period. End of story. But yeah. I think with the C8, I think at least initially till we all get used to the idea of electric cars which isn't happening as fast as almost anyone thought it would. Uh, at least initially, there'll be gas 
versions as well. Well, until then, I will hold my breath. But, Mr. Anal, I think now is as good as time as any to jump to the racing side of the world. And we are back back with the section everyone loves the section i love and uh, a very special section at that because we're talking about the indianapolis 500 while well, we're talking about the lead up to the indianapolis 500 which is just as important obviously not we're not in may we are firmly in august but it is what it is and leading us in our charge the man who knows everything about what's going on right now mr matt weaver is here with us today matt, oh, i thought how are it was we? me i thought you were gonna introduce me i thought i was gonna be that that man no you're you're next mike okay him too all right and also, <laughs> and with uh, spoiler, Mike, the motorsports madman, Pryson. Mike, how are we? And I have no spoiler, but I do have a section with fans. Uh, we have full <laughs> fans, unlike the Indy 500, right, Matt? Yeah, you know, it's it's here. Um, the month of May has finally arrived in August. Dude. And um, <laughs> this, this is going to be something unlike anything in, in certainly this race's history. I mean, We've had Indianapolis 500s outright canceled due to world wars, but never has this race been contested with no one in person. And I've sat down the past couple of days before I head out for Indy, and I've I've tried to articulate this because I want to write about it. I don't know how I'm going to feel. I don't know if this is going to feel like the Indianapolis 500, you know, without the Gordon Pipers, without the the Purdue marching band, the balloons, all the pomp and circumstances. The 500-day parade? Yeah. I mean, so is this the 500 or is this just a 500? And this is the conclusion that I've reached. I am not going to know until around 5.30 next Sunday if this is the Indianapolis 500 because I always have this moment late in the in the race every year where I start to get really tense, really nervous. There's two or three guys running up front who have run up front all day. And you come to this conclusion that, okay, these are the guys. These are the contenders. One of these three are going to win the Indianapolis 500. And I I, I clench my fist and I clench my teeth and I walk back and forth from the window in the media center back to my desk. I'm pacing because this is it. This matters. This is the most important thing in the racing world. And if I have that feeling, even with no one there and without the pomp and circumstances, that's the Indianapolis 500. But if I don't feel that next Sunday, it's a big race. It's a big deal. Every race at the Indianapolis five or at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is a big deal. But if I don't feel that, to me, it's not the Indianapolis 500. Matt, 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 I know you better than that. You get that feeling at Dover. I mean, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> and strangely, at Dover, it's always a memory of the 500. That is the crazy thing. <laughs> there, there are races that that are good. When you have a really close finish, you know, you you feel that. But you feel it always at Indianapolis, regardless of if it's a fuel mileage race, if it's been a you know a, a one-sided beatdown. I feel it because I know that someone's life is about to be changed. Truly, I don't mean that as you know, hyperbole. It's a life-altering event, and I, I feel it that that's about to happen just to a group of people. Really, you you couldn't be more correct. I mean, especially on that point. Every time you win the five hundred, the rest of your life you're known as. I mean, even if you are a champion of IndyCar, you're not. Le- you, people generally don't lead with IndyCar champ. They can still go with Indy five hundred champion, and also yeah, so uh, won the NAS the IndyCar series in two thousand whenever. It it will change. It changes a racing career permanently. Here's the deal to me, and we can get into the entry list and the schedule and all that stuff. Me personally, I know that each of the 33 guys in this case, there there are no no women in the field this year. Each of the uh, the 33 guys this year, 
they want to win this race. But I hope it's someone who has already won the race before, because I would hate for, you know, just to throw a name out there, Graham Rahal or Marco Andretti, who have had multiple opportunities to do so. And this is the year they win it. Man, can you imagine if Fernando Alonso finally completes the Triple Crown and he gets out of the car and it's crickets? <laughs> Did you really win the Indianapolis 500 if you did it this way? It, it, the record book would say that. And we all recognize the circumstances. You have the asterisk. I just hope it's someone like Elio Castroneves or Alexander Rossi who have felt it the authentic way, the real way. That way, you know, that 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 winner, that, that first time winner doesn't go to bad going. Yeah, I, I, I wish it was the real deal. But, it, you know, Castro Nevis, Castro Nevis has been trying for 10 years now to, you know, to get the fourth. I mean, if he gets the fourth and there's nobody there to celebrate with him, I mean, there's probably a little bit lost there, too, isn't there, Matt? Oh, absolutely, for sure. But, yeah, I, I hear you about that. Yeah. Ah. Matt, you mentioned, and we've mentioned multiple times at this point, that there will be no fans. Going back in time a couple weeks, it was 25% capacity of Indy Motor Speedway, and then further back, it was half capacity. Can we talk about, or do you know how this race even happened? Because Mr. Pinsky was adamant that if there were no fans, there would be no race. Well, I, I think we've talked about it before, either on air or off air. That's politics, right? I mean, you've, you've got to make your position clear, and you're probably going a little further than you really would just because you're making the political statement. I know this is not Roger's first choice, but here's the reality. I think that Roger Pinsky is a smart enough businessman and certainly as a team owner himself, he recognizes that he has all of these teams, many of them who would already sign sponsors. There's a television agreement. You would completely cripple the future of these race teams to even be able to go race at Mid-Ohio and uh, to come back for the Harvest GP or St. Petersburg if you cut off the revenue stream of sponsorship for the Indy 500. So you have to run the race. You have to run the race in some way or form that would allow teams to get something back, even if it's not totally what they had been pledged in the first place. And so I mean, it's very similar to NASCAR situation to where they have a TV contract. It's not quite the same for IndyCar in terms of TV money. There is TV money for the Indy 500, but mostly just for these teams to be able to continue operating. Most of their operational budget is built upon what they get back from the Indianapolis 500, not only the the purse, but sponsorship. I don't know if you guys know this either. We, we need to talk about it. But the, also the uh, the purse has been slashed by half this year. So that's, that's another complicating factor, but you still got to run it. Um, instead of $15 million, the purse is 7.5. Instead of over $3 million, the winner is getting a little over a million. Still a lot of money. And this is still going to help these teams continue to operate after the 500. But if you don't run the 500, you get nothing. And that would completely cripple the NTT IndyCar series. I will say empirically, something is better than nothing. I'm curious about the the, the sponsors. I mean, they're not going to get the same bang for their buck this year. Um, at least it, their message won't be in front of the you know 300,000 fans or whatever they've claimed the last few years. Um, but I guess the TV audience aren't still anticipating being there. Uh, so I guess that's a good thing. But it'll be interesting to see because we've you always have a. Uh, you know the the sponsors. One of the things they get out of this is is their uh, their suite. They get to ever they get to also usually you know entertain guests and uh, and they use it on that on that platform as well. It's not just slapping their name on the side of a car. There's usually a lot more to their sponsorship deal. So I'm sure there's a lot of scrambling going on behind the scenes right now to 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 you know I don't know mend those fences or at least make sure everybody's happy. Yeah, you're making a lot of uh, promises. You're you're making a lot of deals for next year. 
for this year's deals. It's like, well, help us get through this year. And, you know, we'll, we'll sweeten the pie next year. We'll give you an extra, you know, couple of guests in the suites or you'll get some free passes or you'll have a, a car that you won't have to pay for on, on a race like Mid-Ohio or Iowa. All sorts of deals are being maneuvered. The most important thing, though, is just getting through through this year and you know the complicating thing is is like and we'll have to deal with this later i don't know how much longer this is going to last so i don't know how much longer you can keep kicking the can down the road because you know kevin harvick when he won the nascar race races over the weekend he had said that it was his understanding and kevin's a well-connected guy that the conviction within the industry within nascar and motorsports is that we're doing this at least through next summer and that's going to make make it really hard for all of these teams to continue operating and for sponsors to get an ROI. Now, you've seen this in, in NASCAR and you're going to see it in IndyCar too. You're going to start doing virtual meet and greets and you're going to figure out ways to to give these companies the ROI they didn't have before. So there, there's, there's ways to do it, but man, this is going to test the creative limit of every single marketing department, not only across the team, but across the series at large too. Matt, you were talking a little bit about the the entry list uh, finally got posted this week. Uh, I mean, there was some there was some concern, wasn't there, that we weren't even going to have thirty three cars, and and that really would have cheapened this thing. I think, uh, you know, maybe give it two asterisks, but uh, we sounds like they were able to save the the integrity of the thirty three. Uh, how important is that? Oh, it's a big deal, and um, you know, I don't I don't know if it would made it worse because you know what's what's the difference between 33 and 31 i mean i know i know 33 the 11 rows of three there's there is a specialness there so i'm not trying to you know diminish what that would mean but i I also think this year is such a huge asterisk anyway it would just be another one but I, i think for the diehards the traditionals the 11 rows of three is a big deal you had you had a lot of teams kind of do some creative stuff to make this happen. For example, you have this this one team that was kind of this amalgamation of multiple teams, James Davis in the 51 car. This is uh this is a mouthful. This is Dell Coin Racing with Rick Ware Racing with Dell Coin Racing with Bellardi Autosports. It is a group a group combination of four teams to get one car on the racetrack to get us to 33. If they met Matt, if they win, they're not going to get all that in a headline. They know that, right? <laughs> they oh, they would gosh. get it in the press release. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, I, I, well, I said I said Dale Coyne twice. It's actually Jonathan Bird's racing. And for fans, uh, unfortunately, the Matt Weaver, Mike Price, and Wesley Rencar could not make the field in a timely fashion. You know what? In in, in this era, you know, if you were to pledge a hundred dollars, you might be able to get your name on the marquee. Oh, I I, I I'll pledge that right now. Who wants who wants a hundred dollars? You got a hundred dollars, Ren. Uh, to get my name plastered on an Indy car, you better believe I got a hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be visible just to the fans. But no, Matt. Uh, so going into the five hundred, obviously, this is a non a non traditional Indianapolis five hundred. But who do you think is most likely to come out of the five hundred uh, on top? Like, who's looking good this year? Well, I, I do this every year. I think there's always there's three tiers. I think you have your your favorites tier. You have your can win under the right circumstance tier. And then you've got the no shot tier. And I think that, you know, your top tier include all the familiar names, the Joseph Newgardens, the Helio Gastronevas, the Will Powers, um, your Graham Rahals, your Takuma Sato's. From the Ganassi stable, you have, you know, you have Scott Dixon. I think those are your favorites. You got Hunter Ray and you've got Rossi. Um, but right now, to, to like tell you now, and to be clear, we're, we're recording this before practice starts. 
So we don't even have the benefit of knowing who is showing some early muscle. And keep in mind, too, there's nothing like the Indianapolis 500. Uh, the configuration they run here at Indy is not the same as the other ovals at Texas and Iowa. So it's not even like similar setups and similar arrow. You can kind of judge because you've had three other oval races this year. There's nothing like this. And there's so many one-offs. I mean, Fernando Alonso. Um, I think there's a group of 12 that you can point to and say, these are the the favorites. And, you know, you kind of fine tune that list as you go through practice. And as you get closer to, to carb day and, and then race weekend, you, you've got a pretty good idea of the five. And sometimes things happen over the course of the race, you know, you couldn't foresee. And, that, and that's the beauty of this race too, especially right now with their current competition package. There's a lot of parity. These cars are close. You got to nail the pit stops. 500 miles, a lot of things can go right. A lot of things can go wrong. You could have a fuel mileage race. So that's the beauty of this race. Like right now, right before practice starts, I can tell you a group of 12, but honestly, under the right circumstances, you can make it a group of 21 who could win. And that's why I'm, I'm super excited for the next two weeks. Who do you like? Right, right. So this this is based totally on on nothing, right? So All right. It's nothing but a, a gut feeling, which which you know a lot of people would say that's probably just as informed as the the more well thought out stuff. I think Alexander Rossi. I think Rossi has had a terrible start to his IndyCar season. Murphy's Law, and it's funny, man. You you look at the way IndyCar works sometimes. It's almost like there's some equivalent exchange involved. You you have a bad season, and in exchange, you get the the, the Borg Warner. And I just I, I got a good feeling. I think Alexander Rossi. He won the one race on fuel mileage. I think I think he goes out and does it the hard the, the old fashioned hard way. He goes out and he takes it and he beats someone. It's hard to argue against Rossi. I mean, he's he's one of those guys. You know, he's going to win one of these things. Uh, he's just on the cusp of being the next superstar. Uh, and I think all that lines up that maybe this is his year for something like that. Hard to go against Scott Dixon. Uh, I, I quit rooting for Helio Castro Neves a couple of years ago. I just think it's not going to happen for Helio. I really love him. He's, he's probably my favorite all-time driver. I want him to get to four, but you know, he struggled the last few seasons up down there. And, uh, I think this might be his, uh, Castro Neves' last shot. I, I, I hope he gets it, but that's going to be a tough call. Uh, I, I think I'm going to take Dixon on this one. You can have Rossi. Um, Ren, you can have the field on this one. All right. I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the IndyCar. You get Alonso. You get Alonso. I'll, I'll say this about, about Castro Neves, though. I mean, I know the past two years, finishes of 27th and, and 18th, um, those are circumstantial. That's not based on speed. But, I mean, he finished second in 2017. He finished uh, 10th or 11th the year before that. He's got more second-place finishes than anyone in the recent history of the race. He'll be there. He'll, he'll be in the mix. Uh, I don't know if you can expect him to win, but I know that Roger really wants to get him number four. And I almost think that now that Simon's won one, now that Will has won one, Joseph is still so young, even though he's not the full-time driver, I think the P1 car is going to be Elio. I think I, I, it reminds me of whenever uh, Jeff Gordon won his last Brickyard 400. You know, in, the city of Indianapolis proclaimed it Jeff Gordon Day. Jeff was at the end of his career. He's had a good season. Rick woke up that morning and told Jeff, you know, we're winning you number four or number five, rather, number five. And, and, they, and they did it. And I think that Roger Pinsky and Tim Sendrick is going to give Elio everything he needs. And in this hypothetical scenario that I created where Rossi wins, I think Rossi beats 
Elio Castroneves, but I think that could be your your scenario. And of course, a lot of people expect Penske to win because, after all, he uh, owns the series now, owns the track, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, the fix must be in, right? Right. <laughs> no, I know what, but the schedule now it, it looks pretty normal. I mean, even though we don't have fans, uh, we still have qualifying going on uh, the weekend before the race. Uh, we're, they're doing the fast nine again. And then, you know, we, we get into, uh, so this, this weekend first coming up, there's a lot going on. And, you know, I, I guess the poll does mean something. I know it's a 500 mile race, but there's still something to that. Yeah. The, the poll means something. Um, there's not going to be a last row shootout because there's only 33 cars. So there's no reason right. to do the, the shootout to bump people. So it kind of takes away the drama of one day of qualifying. It becomes basically another practice day. Track time is good for teams, but no, the schedule's fairly similar. Um, you're going to have one less day of practice. They, they push back opening day from Wednesday from Tuesday. Uh, you've got you know carb day. You've got two days of qualification. There will inevitably be a day that gets rained out. But by the time you get to Sunday and you take the green flag, I think it's going to feel, from a competition standpoint, just like the Indy 500. And and drivers will tell you all the time, you know, whether it's NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, you put that helmet on, you don't see fans anyway. You're not you're not thinking about the fans. It's about the racing. So I think at least for you know the three and a half hours that they're racing. That's the Indy 500 to them. It just goes back to what I said to start the show. You know, when you get out of the car and you look around, is it still mm-hmm. the 500? Yeah, and you talk about the, you know, the poll matters. Uh, just checking here, you know, with the, the uh, I, I trust everything on the internet. And it says 20 uh, winners from the poll. So it's about 20%, you know, about uh, 20% of the time we're going to get the, the poll is going to go on to win this thing, including last year with Pagenaud. So, yeah, I mean, and, and also, obviously, we want to see who's quick. But it's such a weird year, man. I I just think it's going to be a weird 500, and I, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know somebody we're not even thinking about wins because something crazy happens, and you know it just I'm looking forward to it. I I'm with you though. I I think you said it right at the top of this segment. Uh, uh you know about a couple hours into the Indy 500, but we we're either going to have that feeling that we're glued to our TV and starting to get really uh, inside the helmets of these two or three guys that have a shot. Or we're going to say, this is just another race, you know, and I don't, I hope it's not that way because the Indy 500 is always special. It's, you know, it's right up there with, you know, any race in the world. And, and, and I guess arguably it's our race. It's the American, you know, America's greatest race. And uh, I hope I get that feeling. And I know you do too. And again, unfortunately, the Weaver, Price, and Ren car will not be making an appearance. Boys, I can only hope we can get it together for next year. But uh, Matt, IndyCar and the Indy 500 is not the only thing going on right now. What else is happening in the greater world of racing? Yeah, you know, it's actually a, a pretty exciting week for for NASCAR, too. I mean, NASCAR is going to run, for the first time ever, the Rolex 24 layout at Daytona. Um, the scheduled race at Watkins Glen was, was canceled because... New York has a rule to where you have to quarantine for 14 days. So that's not that's not feasible for a traveling troop, which NASCAR certainly is. So they decided to go to a different road course they own, one at Daytona. Uh, they've added a chicane out of oval turn four. So it's not totally apples to apples. The same layout is more, you know, it's it's a red apple to a green apple. <laughs> it's, it's basically the same track. It's going to be fast. I mean, this is going to be the, the 750 horsepower uh, version of the rules package. They are going to run high downforce to compensate for the high speed sections no one knows what to expect there's not going to be a practice session four divisions are going to run you know arca trucks xfinity and cup but nascar doesn't want drivers to double dip 
to give them an advantage. So basically the first lap they turn will be the first lap of the race. And Kevin Harvick is going to start on the pole. And he said during his press conference after winning the the Sunday race at Michigan that, you know, I don't know how I feel about being the the pole sitter because we're going to go into turn one and I have no clue where the hell I'm going. So (laughs) we'll see what happens because they've never been on this track before. They've done simulators. They've done the iRacing, but the first lap they'll see is their first lap of racing. And that's going to be be something, especially for a track that I think for stock cars could be a wreck fest. I think it's going to be similar to the the Charlotte Roval in the way that those cars race, because these are not these are not sports cars. They are not as nimble. They are not as you know aerodynamically sound. They are big clunky bricks, and they're going to bounce off each other for for two and a half hours in Daytona. I tell you what, that first lap is made for TV. I mean, we got to check it. No matter where you're at this weekend, check that out because I'm with you, Matt. That's going to be potentially pretty wild. This is what I think is going to happen, though. I mean, in talking to a couple of, of, of acquaintances I have in the series, I think you're going to see those first couple of laps. There will be a competition caution scheduled. They're basically going to they're going to treat the first stage of the first stage like a practice session. I don't think you're going to see guys beating and banging on each other. They want to learn the course. I don't think you're going to see a ton of action. I think you're going to see them going 50%, 60% on the throttle. they got to figure this racetrack out. So I think the first 10 laps are going to be a glorified practice, and then the chaos will begin. Well, looking forward to that chaos and us uh, touching on a chaotic Formula One race real fast. Max Verstappen shakes everything up by taking the uh, the big old win over with his Red Bull and beating Lewis and Valtteri Bottas uh handedly yeah it was a first win i guess five in a row for mercedes going back to last year and obviously the first win of the season for for stopping and i mean he just had the field covered i mean we there was talk all all week about the tires and the, how they were all blowing off the you know they were shredding tires the, the week before at silverstone and then uh, this past week mercedes didn't figure it out yeah tires were still an issue they didn't you know there were nobody was shredding tires but they were blistering, and it, it definitely affected how they were racing out there. But I mean, at the end of the day, all, all three cars uh, in contention there. You know, they had two pit stops each, and at the end of the day, no one could keep uh, keep up with Verstappen. And uh, I thought one of the most telling things toward the end of the race when uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton is radio into his crew chief saying, "Hey, uh, that guy's got to have low, you know, low uh, pressure on our tires or whatever." You know, they, 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 he's accusing them of underinflating tires uh, t- to gain an advantage. I mean, it was that kind of a frustrating day for Mercedes, and they don't have frustrating days very often. And and that was kind of you know kind of good for the series, I think, because now we have a legitimate. Uh, I think we have a legitimate run for the championship again now. For stopping us thirty points out, that's still more than a race. Uh, but it, it leaves at least it shows that there's somebody else that can run with these guys on a good day. And uh, and we'll see going forward. I know uh, two two weeks in a row at Silverstone are one thing, but going forward, we'll see what happens. They're in uh, Spain this week, and. Uh, Verstappen is already downplaying Spain, saying, I don't know if we're going to be quite as good as we were at the, in that second race, uh, the 70th anniversary race that he won. Uh, but we'll see. I, I think that'll uh, gain some more uh, some more eyeballs this week to watch how that comes out as well. So, you know, with the Indy 500 qualifying, with the, you know, the, the big event down at Daytona with NASCAR and the F1 race, this is going to be a fun week uh, of racing. Yeah. And it goes to show real fast uh, how dominant Mercedes is when they get the second and third podium position and a fastest lap, and that is a bad weekend for Mercedes. 
<laughs> no doubt. It's it's the it's the most dominant run in racing. You know, you could probably go through racing here history in every series. I mean, this this run they've been on this last six seven years is just insane. Um, but yeah, it was it was a I guess we could say a tough way a tough weekend for Mercedes. But again, we look at the standings; they're still you know dominating the the, uh, the constructors championship. They've almost got that locked up already. And then as far as the drivers championship, yeah, Verstappen is in the mix now, and uh, we'll see what he does. But uh, I still think it's you know Lewis is to, to lose this year. I, I want to see some history made. He's going to tie Schumacher uh, for championships, and he's four. He's still four wins away from the all-time uh, wins record. I want to see that this year. So yeah, there's still some good things to watch. But yeah, Verstappen is good. This is the flo- the fly in the ointment, I guess, right now. Well, that is a good place to end it. That was some good racing talk, and I'm really looking forward to sitting on my butt this weekend and watching cars go around a racetrack. But before that happens, could you please head over to Apple Podcasts, drop a five-star review, let us know how we're doing, let us know your thoughts, and do me another solid checkout. Auto Week's second podcast, Quick Spin. It's not available right here. I mean, one of the episodes will be, but uh, gotta head over to Quick Spin, wherever you get your podcasts, and download it, subscribe. It is a great show, uh, and we are proud of it and you will enjoy it. But most importantly, thank you so much for listening.